Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff-side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Max Barrett. And I'm Ahmed Bindra. And we've got a slightly different show today. I'm very excited. We are today speaking with Jim Klein with Acrobat Marketing Solutions Incorporated. Jim's had a really varied and interesting professional career. He is not an attorney. He just hangs out with a lot of us and works with a lot of us and helps all of us with our marketing. So we're going to let Jim explain what he does rather than us sort of tripping our way through it. Mr. Klein, welcome and thank you for making time on a Sunday morning for us. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Ahmed. I certainly do appreciate it and look forward to a productive conversation. Essentially, what Acrobat Marketing does is it's a company that deals with developing marketing strategies, plans, messages, and then best practices and execution so that attorneys and others can develop a book of business or build a book of business or restore a book of business. So that's that's really what it is. It's, it's, it's partially marketing. It's partially business development. And the two go hand in hand. So I guess to get started, why do you think that attorneys, perhaps more than other groups or, or not, need help with that sort of work? Well, look, there, there's, there are some people that are naturally attracted to the idea of, of client acquisition and others that aren't. But I think that the practice of law has changed a lot over the last 20 or 30 years. And attorneys need to attract clients. It's, it's the way they earn more money. It's the way they climb the ladder. It's the way they develop partnerships and, and things like that. And I think what's happened is that most attorneys, or many, I won't say most because this is purely anecdotal, became attorneys and decided if they were good practitioners and did their work well and build the right number of hours that all the good things in the world would come to them. And one thing they're never taught in law school is the ability to, to market or sell. I, I know professionals don't like to use the word sell, so we'll, we'll avoid it today. But to develop business and acquire clients. And not only that, but when, when I speak with them, they say it's very difficult to do when they've already got a day job. You've already covered my favorite topic, which is criticizing law school. I feel like <laughs> they never teach us how to run a business. They ha- they teach us how to esoteric conversations about things that probably won't matter in our day to day. Well, it's, and it's not just attorneys. We, we work with a lot of professionals and in probably half a dozen other fields. And everybody seems to have the same, you know, the, the, the same difficulty. I, I think the other thing is that there's a perception that I don't want to be a now I'll use the word I don't want to be a salesman. And the fact of the matter is, is, I don't believe you're a salesman doing this any more than you're a salesman when you went out and dated and found your wives or husbands or things like that. So we'll get to that, I know. Yeah, I mean, a law firm is not any different from other businesses. It's just our end deliverable is a legal product. So you still have to be able to attract customers. And so well, you, it's, you, it's professional services, right? Like it's not, right. you know, we're not selling widgets or we're not, right. you know, preparing a sandwich, right? You're you're selling them a service that is being provided, whether it's on a contingency or by the hour. And, and right. And, and while some of the principles are the same, doing professional services really is totally different because, as you all know, you're providing an intangible Right. So that's that's a little bit different than a widget or a sandwich. I got to get a more I got to get a more up to date reference. That was what they used in Econ 101 (laughs) in like 2007 when I was in college. Yeah. 
as a, I mean, they probably still use it because none, none of this stuff ever changes the grand scale. Well, think, think of it this way. The best, I, I've seen a zillion definitions of marketing. And I think the best definition I've seen is marketing to potential clients who have a want or a need. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's really, you know, that's really what we're after fulfilling wants and fulfilling needs. And you mentioned a moment ago, the difficulties you see sometimes are across spectrum for professional service providers. What are those difficulties in terms of business development and marketing? Well, I think a lot of it is head trash. I mean, I didn't sign up for this. You know, the the idea of business development, which used to be called sales is really a default part of the career. Right. Nobody thought about it or very few people thought about it. So I I think there's a lot of head trash in terms of the fact that I feel if I'm going to go out and try to develop clients, which I don't know how to do, by the way, that when I come home, I'm going to be dirty and I'm going to have to take a shower prior to the time I sit down and have dinner with my wife and kids. That's not true. Right. So I, I think that that's one of the obstacles. I think, secondly, I've never done it. I've never thought about it. I'm afraid to do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm uncomfortable doing it. And, and I think that all those things combine to a, to a mindset that says, not only does it kind of look not really what I want to do with my career, but I don't know how to do these things. And that's, that's absolutely legitimate. How, how can you know how to do it unless somebody helps you out or unless you figure it out yourself? I, I, I know this sounds very simplistic, but the fact is, is that there are simple reasons there are basic foundations and fundamentals and when they're combined normally we find that there's progress no i think you're right it is it sounds simplistic but it goes back to what you were saying earlier the folks who go to law school or go into these sectors aren't going into it to network they're going into it to put their head down and write a term paper that's why i went to law school i was like i like arguing and i like writing and i like term papers and so this will be great and that's not what the profession is it is but it's different too sure well, and 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 our profession is littered with the the metaphorical bodies, right, of people who were, you know, if not Supreme Court level, like really, really competent brief writers and arguers and just analytical attorneys who just had they had people placed in front of them might have done just fine, right? But it's it's all well and good to do that, but there's a business side to it that Amit and I are constantly complaining is just not taught in law schools. What I was going to ask you, Jim, is so besides working with you, what advice do you have to folks in terms of getting out of the head trash or knowing how to network and business develop better? Well, look, if if they don't work with acrobat marketing or people we compete with, although we think we're different than than much of the, much of the competition, I think it's, it's, you know, it's the old Nike slogan, just do it. Right. And I, once again, sounds really simple, get out, meet somebody, talk to somebody, see if you can get an introduction. Try to hone in on a specific marketplace you want. Call that person back. Have something to give. I mean, I know these are these are things we're going to talk about in a little bit more depth over the next few minutes. But but that's really it. Talk to people that have done it, right? I mean, in addition to the natural bus- natural business developers or what we used to call rainmakers in law firms, there's lots of other people that have developed books in business. Talk to them. Ask them. Find out what their issues were. Find out how they overcome the obstacles. I mean, generally, in terms of going out and and trying to seek business, anecdotally, there's four obstacles that people need to overcome. And and if you don't mind, I'll I'll tell you what they are very simply. And we've given talks on this for hours on end. One is I don't have confidence. I'm a good practitioner. I'm a bright guy. I'm a wonderful person. But I don't have the confidence to go out and meet people and develop business. 
we work in terms of how do you overcome that? Secondly, I know what, this is the biggest one of all, by the way. I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. The truth of the matter is, is if you just speak your mind, what we call speak to the issues, you can tell anybody anything if you say it in the right language. And most people are unsure of how to say things. The third one is that, is that practitioners, just like the rest of us mere mortals, have a tendency to make assumptions. So they already have an attorney. They already have a law firm. They know everybody. They're in a large networking group. What do they need me for? How do you know any of that's true? And even if some of it is, why should that preclude you from going out and doing what you want to do and getting done what you want? So that's three. The fourth one, which I think is kind of interesting, and this is just, once again, it's anecdotal, is that people follow protocol. And while I'm really glad that my mom and dad taught me how to say please and thank you, some of the other stuff is absolutely ridiculous. Why would you, if somebody says, call me back in three months, why would you wait three months? We've asked this question in seminars of, of great numbers of people, and they all want to follow protocol. That doesn't mean you call somebody after a month and say, hey, Ahmed, hey, Max, tell me what's going on, right? You've got to have a reason. There's got to be a strategy behind it. It's not that difficult to plan these things out. So it's really those four obstacles that I find that, plus the fact people, you know, they're, they're just, they're scared. Or, and and the, the last one is they don't want to commit to it. So we can talk about it, right? And then nothing gets done. And the truth of the matter is, is you will not know if tomorrow, July 11th is a good day for you or not until September 11th or November 11th or next February, right? So you've got to go and you've got to start somewhere. The two things that stick out to me are, uh, A, the Just Do It slogan I love. When I was, my first semester of college, I'm on the debate team, and one of the coaches says to all of us, just show up to class. That's like the biggest part of the battle, (laughs) just show up. And that's how I've actually approached networking a lot of times is it'll be an event, but like, I just got to show up. I got to meet people. Worst case scenario, I can learn from other people from osmosis. Best case scenario, I develop a core relationship. And then the other thing you just said that stuck out to me is a protocol approach. And the reason is when we're negotiating, when we're in cases, you don't sometimes follow a protocol. You do things differently. And so I'm not sure why people wouldn't apply that to business development, too. Your first two points about confidence and knowing, not knowing how to say it, are those somewhat interrelated? Is it a lot of times a confidence issue where people don't feel confident and thus don't know how to say things properly? That's that's a great comment, Ahmed. They are certainly interrelated. But I, I think that they're separated a little bit by the fact that, you know, first you've got to kind of develop the confidence in terms of getting out there, not being afraid, right? Making some mistakes, finding some victories along the way. And, and secondly, I think that, you know, people don't know how to ask for ask for the business sometimes. And, and I contend you can do it on your first meeting with somebody if you say it properly without offending them. And at least they know where your intentions are. So what advice? Oh, sorry, Max. I was going to say, I remember when I finally felt ready in my career and I like to actually start asking for people to send me a referral. And it was some mentor who I'd had for years. And I like waited till we were done with lunch, walking towards the L and like headed in that direction. And like, this is somebody who my relationship with this person had been, he was somebody I met as a law clerk, basically cold calling through a Rolodex of firms that did stuff I was interested in in law school, who had taken me to probably half upwards of close to 10 lunches, invited me to events, like clearly was not expecting anything from me and had 
undertaken no anything other than just to be helpful to some young person in his career and had told me as much and yet i was still like so afraid to make that ask that i waited till we were like shaking hands and like saying goodbye on the street you know what i mean and it was one of those things that's like you again just going back to you wish somebody would teach these things in life because everybody's had help professionally somehow whether through a parent or a friend or in anything and it's just being able like having that freedom to ask for that i think we're also conditioned never to ask for help well that's a really good point too so i i had a case against an attorney and i just wanted to do some background research and i found an article he wrote about nonprofit work. And the article was basically like, look, if you're on a nonprofit board and you're not picking up the phone and asking for money, what is the point? And that actually resonated both for the nonprofit side, but also business development. If you're not going to ask, what are you doing? Right. I dealt, I dealt with a professional in another field for a couple of years and we had arguments each month because he said he had to meet somebody seven times before he could ask him for business. And my response is now, you know why you don't have any business. Yeah, that's a lot. So what advice then do you have to people in terms of becoming more confident and overcoming kind of the four to five obstacles you laid out? I think it's a matter of trying it. I I also think it's a matter of finding people you can talk to, to debrief with, you know, to ask them what their experiences were. But I don't, there's no, and I was working with an attorney, lovely, lovely person. And at, at one point she said to me, when does the theoretical aspect of what we're talking about turn into reality? And I said, as soon as you go out and invite somebody to lunch or have a cup of coffee. So I really think the more you do it, you know, sometimes there's a great phrase. Sometimes you've got to be comfortable being a a bit uncomfortable. Right. And I I think any of us that have done this know. And it happened to me in my career because, you know, I'm outgoing, I'm extroverted, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I would still kind of be apprehensive anytime I would ask somebody, make a cold call, try to meet somebody. The second time it was easier. The third time it was easier. And ultimately, I think that if you do it right, now you, you need a strong premise. You need a good message, right? You need a good strategy. I mean, you got to think about these things because the plan comes first. But I think once you do it, ultimately it enters your DNA. It enters your bloodstream. And at, at that point, it becomes much more automatic. And, and frankly, it becomes kind of fun. Well, I think we're dancing around this a little bit, but you just used the word. You're extroverted. I find a lot of people, especially attorneys, are introverted. So what advice do you have to them about how to fake being extroverted? I wouldn't fake being extroverted, if you don't mind me, parting from what your, your comment was. Actually, there was an interesting article in the New York Times this morning about extroverts. And the truth of the matter is, is that those of us who are extroverts sometimes are perceived as, as being you know, too verbose, too out there, wanting to satisfy our own needs and things like that. Introverts are quite the opposite, but let me, let me try to give you a, introverts, they should go to their strength. Let me, let me give you a quick example. Years and years ago, we employed a, a, a diagnostic called DISC, which I know many of us are familiar with. So the, the people that were really out there doing business development, DISC, were drivers and influencers. When they scored high on that, S and C stands for steady and compliant. So they're generally more introverted, inward-looking people. So I'm dealing with an attorney in the later stages of his career, and we go through the diagnostic, and he comes out a high S&C, high study and compliant, very low driver, very low influencer. And he said to me, he said, okay, now that we've seen the results of the test, what am I supposed to do to be a business developer? I said, well, tell me something. If you were out hiring an attorney, 
Would you rather hire somebody who's steady and compliant or somebody who's a driver and an influencer? He said, well, you'd rather hire somebody like me. I said, that's exactly true. Now, once you believe in that, I think an introverted person, I don't know that they change. They're certainly capable of some socialization. But a great advantage that introverts have oftentimes is that they're great listeners. They're thoughtful questioners, right? And what we know is that people buy people that they, they like, right? People that they can relate to, an affinity that we share between each other. And there are people that are going to go directly to those people that you're calling introverts, and they're going to avoid extroverts just for that reason. And the good news is it's a big universe out there. So there's lots of people. I think the other thing is it's not just necessarily introverts and extroverts. There's all sorts of personality assessments. And basically what they teach you, and when you talk about emotional intelligence, which I know is not our topic today, is that you want to celebrate the differences that we have, number one. And number two, I want to be able to speak with you the way you want to be communicated with. So it doesn't mean my message changes, but the way that I approach you may be different based on if you're an extrovert, an introvert, or any of the things in between. And I think I think that goes to just not having the same package for everybody, right? Like not saying everything is, what is it, the old adage? I always biff this one. It's like if you're a carpenter, everything looks like a... To a carpenter, everything looks like a nail, or if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, like having different strategies for different people and knowing, having the emotional intelligence to apply it different, different... Right. Right. Exactly. A lot of our work is done on an individual one-on-one basis. The reason is, is because everybody is different. It doesn't mean there aren't good business practices, right? Best practices and things like that, but everybody's different. So how they learn is different and how they communicate is different. But I like your analogy about the carpenter. Yeah. If only I could ever remember the actual way to say it. So, you know, one of the things they kind of condition you to do when you're in law school, right? And this was what I was doing till some folks like yourself, Jim, and some other mutual friends of ours said, why are you doing, why are you wasting your time on this? Was, you know, you, you joined the Chicago Bar Association, which is a great organization. You join the Illinois State Bar and you, at least if you're me anyway, you sweat through the anxiety of going to these large events where you may or may not know somebody, look for a friend. If you don't see one, like approach a table full of people that look so much approachable, awkwardly sidle yourself into their conversation, maybe manage to finagle exchanging some business cards that night, send some follow-up emails and hope against hope of the five or six hands you shook that night, well, pre-COVID anyway, that maybe a couple people respond to your email, you end up having lunch and like maybe you guys send, you promise to send each other cases and never, never speak again. If you're lucky, maybe you do, but right. No, I'm going to, I'm going to caveat this for a second. I know where you're headed, but I just want to add, this is exactly how Max and I met. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it was at the super lawyers one, though, to be fair, I think it was just I was crappy with names and forgot we were already on a board together at that point. <laughs> but we just hadn't met. But yeah, that was how Amit and I got to talking. And somebody had said to me, oh, you should start a networking group. So I had like reached out to people in my law school age group and had been like, you know, not really doing much with it. But we'd been meeting and Amit started coming to that and we made friends that way. But, you know, these were ways somebody before I understood how to do this better. Somebody had said to me, this is just how you do it. This is how you get your name out there. And I don't think I was having much success with that. I guess, how do you break away from that? Or what does it take for somebody to understand that maybe, I mean, maybe for some people, you got a big personality, you you have a lot of success doing that sort of thing. But for the rest of the world, is that the way you recommend going about it? Or are there other ways well, you like to get there? Look, I, I think it's it's a way. And I can give you an anecdote. But, you know, you're talking about going to a table where you don't know people. I, early in my career, I walked in and to an event and everybody has name tags on. And there were three people around a table that had Northern Trust 
This isn't a bad story by Northern Trust, I promise you. And I figured this is a good place to go. So I went and I introduced myself and they were totally uninterested in me. And I said, by the way, do you know? And I mentioned the name of the vice chairman of Northern Trust, who I happened to sit on a different board with. And they all looked at me and said, no. And I walked away, you know. Um, Look, walking into a meeting and having the objective, as you say, of meeting two or three or four people that I can follow up with, just trying to get to know them, is certainly a great way of doing it. But if you can't do that, you've got to find another way to attract the audience you're looking for. Years ago, I dealt with an architect who was the most fit 40-year-old I ever saw. And when I first met him, we started working together. He tells me that he had just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And he was preparing to, uh, to go to the base camp at Everest. And we're talking about how you develop business. And I said to him, I said, Joe, when I send you into this meeting next Thursday night over at the JW with 30 people in the room, he said, I can't do it. I said, what do you mean you can't do it? He said, I won't walk into a room full of strangers. I said, you just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and now you're going to ascend Everest. And, and with a focus in the strength you have, he said, I still can't do it. So we found another way to get him in. And basically what it was, and this is one of many ideas, uh, Max, relative to your question, is we decided that we would find a way to bring the people he wanted to meet into him, which was much easier. Took a little bit more work, right? But it, we, we, we identified six or eight prospects. We, we arranged a very creative meeting at his offices, and people came in and he developed business that way. So there's a zillion ways to do it. It's just funny, the guy who could climb Everest and Kilimanjaro, like, mm -hmm. objectively two of the more dangerous, like, unbelievable, uh, challenging, physically demanding things you could do in this world. Right. It, you know what I mean? You could be that same person and still be afraid of being in a room full of people you don't know. It, it's wild. You know, but, but, but there's a lot of other ways to do it, right? And, and, and I mean, one of them is, is uh, you know, Max, you, you, you and I and, and I'm at, know each other and I'm not comfortable walking into a room full of strangers. So one of the three of us have lunch and why don't two or three of us bring a guest, right? And, and try to build out from, from that way as opposed to, you know, going into a bunch of, of, of nameless, faceless people. Um, well, to your point earlier, though, I do like what you said, which is sometimes you just have to... I don't know how you worded it, brace the awkwardness. Well, sometimes you have to be comfortable being a little yes. uncomfortable. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and so I would go to a lot of events for that reason. I, I knew I needed to work on just meeting with people I don't know, walking into a conversation and just being comfortable with that. And over time, you do develop that skill set just like anything else. You go to law school and you don't know how to write a brief. And hopefully at some point in your career, you learn how to do that skill. Right. Plus the fact, I think you have to figure out everybody that you, if you walk into a room for a networking meeting or a cocktail hour or whatever, everybody's not going to necessarily be one of these high octane extrovert people. And one of the things you can do is walk into that room, assuming you have the guts to do it and, and go find somebody standing alone. Talk to them. Yeah. And maybe it's just, you know, I spend a lot of time on dating apps, so you get ghosted a lot. And so it's the same thing with a networking event where the worst case scenario is someone doesn't talk to you and you walk exactly. up to someone else. Right. And you just you can't even though many of us take it personally, you, you really can't. So, you know, one of the things I know that that I mean, because you've said it in our discussion and just because I know you well is, you know, having a having a robust network, not necessarily big in the traditional sense of the word, but having a network that you can pull from and people that you can use, not use in a bad way, but help help them and help whoever the contact is one another. How do you 
respondent attorneys or work with attorneys who think they don't really have a big network or they're a little isolated, they're not going to have much to offer others if you get them into networking. How do you deal with that person? Well, I think there's a couple of ways. First, you know, they have to want to do it, even though they may have some fear and apprehension. So let's make that assumption for a minute, because if they don't, it's a non-starter. There's a term that, that most people aren't familiar with called priority drop. And here's what it is. If you can imagine a ladder, at the top of that ladder is the best thing that you can do for me is to send me over a piece of business. If you drop down one, the next best thing you can do is provide me with a referral. The third thing down is provide me with an introduction. Now, those are all the things that we all want. But if I don't have that to give, I think that, that there's a couple of other things. Bring somebody to an event. Invite them to lunch. Introduce him you know, to, to, to perhaps just another colleague. Keep him aware of what's going on in his field. But you have to do it on a fairly steady basis and follow up. And I think there's something else here that's really critical. And that's that everybody that I meet, while I would prefer them to be a great prospect for Acrobat Marketing, isn't. But there's an awful lot of very, very bright people out there. And a lot of our clients come from those who are one away. So I really think that it's critical to build a network of the best professionals that you possibly can. So what do I have to give? I don't have a piece of business to give you today, perhaps. However, you know, do you have any resource gaps in terms of your network? Are there any specifics that you need? And it, it, it may be a different type of an attorney. It could be an accountant. Everybody's always looking for accountants. You know, it could be for a, for a periodontist. I mean, you know, who knows? But, but I think that those are the things that kind of allow you to ease yourself in. And I think transparency is a big tool. If I don't have a referral for you, I'm going to tell you. I don't have a referral for you. doesn't mean I'm not going to think about it. doesn't mean there may not be an introduction or two, but I really don't fish in that, in that pot, right? I don't farm in that field. I think people appreciate that. When I think it's a chicken egg issue too. You're not going to build a network if you're not showing up. So over time, you will get there. Right, you will. And there's a variety of ways to get there. But I really think that the object of the, of the experience or, or what the goals are, whether you're new in practice, by the way, or even later in practice, is developing a good, solid network. It's your credibility. It's your reputation. And people love when you think about them. That's something well, I, to give. And I think for the people in our bar, too, which is most of our listenership, you know, a lot of our attorneys do work with businesses and some will do management work as well. Right. But for a good chunk of them, you're talking about consumer facing attorneys dealing with individuals with individual problems. So for a lot of networking groups or networking, mm -hmm. a lot of it's business to business and where, you know, there is some obvious right. overlap for our clients. Sometimes it is about being more creative and saying, yeah, for the business folks that I'm dealing with, I'm not going to necessarily have somebody directly for you. And you're not necessarily going to be sending me your employees who are disgruntled with you. But there are other ways we can find to help each other and make Correct. good friends. Right. Right. So I, I, I think, you know, it, it's always an effective tool. How do you how? So I guess I, I guess to shift a little bit, COVID has changed a lot of things. And, and and the way you do things, Jim, at least as I've always understood it, has been a big focus on, you know, in-person, maybe not always in-person, but one-on-one -on -one interactions, right? right? Or small group interactions. COVID, you know, our show has only ever existed in the context of COVID. Sure. So any interview we ever do with our guests, whether an attorney or otherwise, typically will at least at some point touch on it. So why should... <laughs> For our other Jewish listeners, why should this night be different than all other nights? How how have you 
incorporated contemplating COVID or taking account for COVID into the advice you give your clients and the attorneys and others you work with? How does that impact the advice you're giving? Well, I, th I think you set the stage well. COVID has been a very, very difficult period of time to do business development. It doesn't mean there's not business out there. In fact, what we found is during COVID, people wanted to talk to others more than ever because they had the time to. The Wall Street Journal wrote an article about six months ago, maybe a little bit longer, that basically said no big deals were ever done on Zoom. And I think what they're, we were talking about is that there, there's no, there's there's nothing better than being able to meet in person, right? It's, it's, it's so much easier to develop the affinity. Having said that, business got done during COVID. We, we, we began working with a number of new clients and I, we have clients that did as well. So I think, I think an issue is that everybody's gotten COVID lazy. So, you know, why should I go to the office or why should I meet you face to face when I can just have a Zoom session and everything's the same as it's been for the last two and a half years almost. So I really don't like that. But what I'm finding today is that a couple of things. First, people are still relying on the old COVID strategy that I'm not going to meet you face to face. But those who are and downtown is becoming more active, I think, and that are willing to meet for a cup of coffee or a drink or a lunch or just a meeting, I think are beginning to make a lot more progress again, because I think it's the best way to do business. Right. It, it doesn't mean that you can't do it via Zoom, via direct mail, via SEO. All these things are components of a marketing plan. But in terms of what our conversation is today, I don't think anything replaces one on one in person. You touched on this kind of at the very beginning of this podcast about a lot of times attorneys think of this as a second job. I have a day job and I, sure. and I feel like. You know, the folks who are doing business development, they've got client work to deal with, they're managing teams and firms. And you just touched upon this too. There's so many different ways to market now. You can do in-person, you can do virtual, you can write articles. So how do you recommend then folks don't burn out from all of that? Well, that's that's certainly an interesting topic because I've, I've experienced burnout in my career once and it's very, very tough. I, I think here's what it is. I think I think balance is critical. I know that's a popular word today. I think business development is something that has to be done every week. You can't just do it, then put it away for three months. It doesn't work that way. There's got to be a continuity. I think you've got to find a way to take some pleasure in doing it because it is to me, it's very exciting. I'm going to meet new people. I'm going to learn about their practices. I'm going to learn about what they do learn about where their aches and pains are, where the opportunity is, and, and have the have the potential of being able to help them out, you know, either professionally or, or otherwise. Burnout is difficult, but I, I, I think it's probably putting business development in the mix helps people avoid burnout more than not, because if you're if you're required to bill 1,800 to 2,400 hours a year or whatever that number is, you know, it means you're not doing much in terms of of, of, of anything else. And the fact of the matter is, pardon me for saying it simplistically again, everybody's got to eat lunch. So instead of eating at your desk, go out and meet somebody, you know, does that, I don't know if that answers your question or not. No, no, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think to some degree the it's a good thing with business development because you can always do it, right? There's always no. someone you can be meeting, but that can also then, like you said, you got to develop a balance. Right. But the corollary to that, or, or in addition to that is go out and try something new. Right. I mean, let, let, let's talk about other audiences. Let's, let's talk about other people that we can affect. Let's talk about a twist in terms of what we do every day. And if we use our business development time or our networking time, if you want to call it that, to get do some of those things, I, I just I just think it, 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 it's healthier and you walk away with a more positive attitude saying, hey, that was pretty good. 
Yeah, that's one thing I've enjoyed about what you've said today is finding a way to authentically market either, you know, going to a networking event to learn about someone or finding, a, you know, what you enjoy and figuring out a way to approach to marketing that way. Well, yeah, and I, and I also I also think that, you know, there, there's an opportunity for all of us out there to develop leadership capabilities. You know, I, I think that particularly in an area where a lot of the a lot of the work is parity from what your firm does to the next, to the next, to the next, right? So differentiation is critical. And, and I don't know how much we're going to talk about that today, but differentiation message, being distinct, being memorable is really different, is really critical. And I think that if you can become a leader, now I'm not saying that you're General Patton, you know, or Mike Milley walking down LaSalle, you know, marching with his troops. But I really think that not only is it a matter of being able to give, being able to help people, being relevant to them, which is another key word, but also being able to be a leader in terms of the fact that people want to be with you. They want to associate with you. Well, and, and that's a good point you just brought up a moment ago, too. I know you do some work with mid-level to senior level professionals. Right. How, if at all, is the business development different in that world? Well, I, I don't know that it's terribly different. I, I think that I, I think there's a couple of things here, one of which is I think that mid to later level attorneys have more head trash. Than, than younger attorneys. And, and how I define that is because they know how things used to be. <laughs> so I deal with a number of mid-level attorneys that have really never put themselves out there. So it's a matter of doing the same fundamentals and basics that we've talked about a number of minutes ago. But I think the other thing is, is that is the markets have changed and people have changed. So I think it's a matter of how do you develop a message that gives you the confidence and relevance which is key to get out from behind your desk. You know, before before COVID, there were there were a number of very good years, but before that, there was a, an economic crisis, financial crisis, two thousand eight, nine, ten, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, the number of wonderful practitioners decided they had they were like deer in headlights, and they were frozen. So once again, it's little by little. Where do we find a little victory? Where do we find another little victory? Where do we get an introduction? Where does somebody send over a file for us to look at? And I think that the mindset there is if you do it, it's almost like riding a bike and getting proficient with it or anything else. The more you do it, the more you feel good about yourself, the more bold hopefully you'll become. And you know you're going to win some and lose some, but at least you're going to get out there and win some. Well, this has been great. Before we let you go, we do have one more question for you. So we like to end our episodes with something positive, a shout out of the week. It can be a book, a TV show, a pet, kid, anything. And I know you're looking at your notes. We don't put this on the, we don't, let, we don't tell you this ahead of time. So um, how, it's how we know if anybody has listened to us before. <laughs> well, here, here, I'll, I'll tell you what, here, 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 here's the shout out. I mean, you know, if, if, if I do a shout out about one of my kids or, or my grandchildren, that's, that's not appropriate. Or, but here's really, you know, is there some shout out? Is there something I want to plug? I really think that there's three things. And I, I mean this sincerely because this is really what it's all about. I think it's, I think that it's about authenticity. I think it's about transparency. And I think it's about giving. And I think those are the things we remember. This is not a difficult task to learn. It's difficult to get creative. It's difficult to build where you want to build. But we've talked about authenticity. We've talked about giving. What we haven't talked about is transparency. And talk about a shout out. It's probably one of the most powerful tools that any of us have. Because if you're totally transparent with people and you do it right, you can tell them the bad along with the good. You can promote yourself, right? 
and then you you can make significant gains doing it that way. So I don't know if that qualifies for a, a Barrick Binder shout out, but that's really kind of what's on my mind. Anything you want qualifies. Oh, that's perfect. That's a great way to end this. And, you know, as attorneys, we have to be transparent with our clients. So we should do that in our networking, too. Jim, anything you got to you want to plug that you've got coming up now or in the near or not so near future? No, it's, it's a fairly busy time. I'm doing some more group work with people in, in the area of, of what we do, plus personality assessment, plus networking, which I really prefer to call relationship building. We're dealing with more associates sometimes. In that, in, the, in that area, or even in, in, in the case of one law firm, we're dealing with all their clerks and administrative help because they're critical to your efforts as well. Well, Jim, thank you, for, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thanks to everybody at home for listening. Please subscribe and share. And if you're, more, and if you're interested in hearing more from Jim, check out Acrobat Marketing Solutions or reach out to him. Jim, actually, before I let you go, how do people find you if they want to get in touch with you to ask you more about marketing, work with you, or otherwise? That's really nice of you to ask. The, the, the website is acrobatmarketing.com. I can be reached at 312-615-6920. I maintain an office downtown. I'm happy to go anywhere. We, we have clients that we work with on both coasts, but still primarily in the Chicago area. Thanks to everybody at home for listening. Please check out Acrobat Marketing and thanks for listening. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host opinion. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.